0: Well, there was so much excitement. Of course, the drafting of the Constitution had been a long-term project that had taken a couple of years, starting with the process that I was also involved in, but not as centrally as the final Constitution, which was the drafting of the interim Constitution of 1993. By 1996, we already had had our first elections, on April 27, 1994, and, and therefore there was a mood in the country of renewal, of hope, of believing that by adopting this constitution, the South Africa, we hoped to be, become the one with the goals of democratic values, social justice, and fundamental human rights, was just about begin to be re- realised.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, what was the significance of the signing ceremony being held in Charville, particularly, and what was the atmosphere like on, on that day?
0: Right, the idea of signing the the constitution in, in Charville was in recognition of. The pain of the past. You will recall that in the preamble of the Constitution, phase we adopted in order to heal the divisions of the past and establish a new society, and that past society is described by Justice Chaskelson in one of his papers as a wicked society, and by going to shapall. President Nelson Mandela wanted a vivid memory of what the wicked past was like, where human beings were killed in shotgun just because they protested being treated as subhuman beings. And their symbolic gesture was the burning of the passes, which were the mark of inferiority that black people were forced to carry under apartheid.
1: Now, there are those that might quote Charles Dickens, and they might say, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, 25 years on. What is your view of the Constitution in its current form?
0: They are very correct that it is the best of times and the worst of times. Let's start with the best of times. I know that some of the so-called 2000s and millennials I think nothing has been achieved. I think if you have not lived in a horrid time as we did, but more importantly, as people like Nelson Mandela did, you probably think nothing has been done. Where you have to carry that mark of inferiority where, where, wherever you want being arrested if you didn't carry it, being arrested for leaving a job, just the freedom of contracting. If you left a job, the Master and Servant Laws uh, got you arrested. You could not buy property. Even if you had all the money in the world that you had worked for, you had no right to buy property until uh, the early 90s. And you couldn't live wherever you wanted. You couldn't own land, even if you could... apart from the fact that um, 87% of the land was taken away from the majority of the people of this country who comprised more than 80% then and given to for free, in most cases, white people who constituted less than 20%. So all of that is gone. You cannot be directly discriminated. It cannot be indirectly discriminated. What has failed. And I lay the door at everyone, not just government, is the progressive reduction of the legacy of apartheid. So that's one of the things that we haven't done significantly we ended formal discrimination but we haven't ended substantive Inequality. And I think Bofu, the young Bofu, captures it, although I disagree on how he characterizes our Constitution, but he understands that apartheid did not fall simply because the Constitution changed. Social and economic apartheid remained. And there were no illusions about that. And that's where I talk about constitutional literacy. Those of us who were involved in drafting the Constitution And the Constitutional Court knew that apartheid was not going to fall. Patriarchy was not going to fall simply because we had a new sheriff in town called the Constitution. (laughs) Progressive steps needed to be taken to erode the legacy. And and that's where we were failed by the failure to implement Chapter 5. Of the Equality Act. Because that Chapter 5 of the Equality Act is like the affirmative action part of the Employment Equity Act. It is like the Minister of Finance, this is Van Heerden case, where pensions of parliamentarians, the new ones coming into parliament, were upgraded so that they could be placed on the same or level playing field with those who had been parliamentarians in the past. So Chapter 5 was about making sure that we review every aspect of life to make sure that where there was a legacy of apartheid, we dealt with it. It was opposed initially by the DA and others wrongly. And if there's one thing we need to do is implement that Chapter 5 as of yesterday, because Inequality is not going to disappear magically. Mm-hmm. We just need to know that. But secondly, what has gone wrong was resources have been stolen by state capture and other forms of corruption. And I don't understand when people say that there was state capture and apartheid. That's why you got rid of apartheid. We were warned by Nelson Mandela. Uh, Oliver Tamber and others, that in the new democracy, we should not do what was done in the apartheid. That's why we got rid of the old system. So to say it was okay for a, a bunch of white people to cut the soils of our country only for themselves, it's now okay for a bunch of black people, elites, to do the same. That was not the quest mm-hmm. behind the question.
1: Now, Professor Tuli Madonsela is my guest this morning. Uh, She's the former public protector, as you can recall, and the current social justice chairperson at Stellenbosch University. Professor, South Africa's constitution is, of course, one of the most acclaimed constitutions in the world. It is widely acknowledged not only as one of the most progressive, but also as a transformative constitution. Yet, you've spoken about it earlier. We see rampant corruption and lack of service delivery in municipalities in the last 28 years Uh, that has been the focus of intense scrutiny. Has the constitution, though, delivered on its social contract with our people? And and what extent has it achieved its objectives, you think?
0: As I've indicated, it has uh, achieved some of its objectives. It's a constitution, as I indicated, with three goals – democratic values, social justice, and fundamental human rights. And the very fact that we are having this conversation and we can criticize government and we can express a view is part of the fruits of that constitution in that we have freedom of expression under Section 16 of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And some of the comments have hit the nail on its head on some of the uh, opportunities we now have that we didn't have. So. The colleagues are wrong is the Constitution cannot change anybody's life. In the same way as if you have a, an iPhone, as I do, and you treat it like a Motorola because you don't have the skills to exploit the potential of your iPhone, then you will get from an iPhone... Only that which you can get from a Motorola, which is exactly what happens with me. So that's why I say constitutional literacy and political will should be at the core of what's happening. At both the team of foundation and the chair in social justice, we have picked up that part of the problem is that when government drafts laws, unlike the constitutional court, which always ask, is this just and equitable? The government doesn't do that. When a law has been drafted, there's been emphasis on what will be the impact on the economy. But when they talk about what's going to be the impact on the economy, it's always what's the impact on big business, because those are the guys that have access to government since the dawn of democracy. There's no looking at two things that we are required by law according to at least 12 cases from the Constitutional Court to look at. Will this not exclude others? In other words, exacerbate existing inequality and poverty. Mm -hmm. And then the second question that you have to ask, and that's a compulsory question, is will it advance equality? So every law, every program, Every policy that we should have done in the last 25 years, we were supposed to ask these questions. Will it not discriminate directly or indirectly against everyone, including Enkoko Zamini and Emanzuneleni in KZF? But secondly, will it positively reduce the inequality we inherited? So inequality is like that. If you don't reduce it drastically, It increases exponentially. The same applies to poverty. And therefore, it's not surprising that we have this dichotomous situation where we have one of the best constitutions in the world, and yet we are the worst country when it comes to poverty and inequality in the whole world. It just boils down to understanding the constitution and consciously implementing it.
1: As things stand, Professor, on what grounds can South Africa change the Constitution, or is there perhaps a need for any changes or amendments to our Constitution?
0: I I don't think there's a need to amend the Constitution, and I do know that there's an attempt to amend Section 25 of the Constitution on the land question. Mm. If I were government, I would proceed with the Expropriation Act which is not about um, expropriation without compensation. It's a holistic bill that regulates all expropriation Because you need a holistic bill. I would proceed with that. But I would accompany it with a white paper. One of the mistakes, or one of the weaknesses in statecraft since after the Dendegi administration is the failure to first be crafted Policy, then law. No. You can't craft policy through law because there'll be too many missing links. You firstly have to do a green paper, a white paper, and then so that everybody knows if you want to change the land question, who's going to benefit, what's going to happen, where. And um, so just directly going to change the constitution is not going to help you. But I, I wouldn't advocate changing the Constitution generally, but I do want to say, as somebody who was involved in drafting the Constitution and argued certain things that we lost, when I look at the Kenya Constitution, I think it's much better, and as a result, it's doing much better in disrupting inequality. Our Constitution talks about recognizing the injustices of the past and those who suffered as they fought against those injustices of the past. So basically, we're recognizing the heroes that fought against apartheid, but we're not recognizing the and <laughs> <the> Jaminis <Gokodramines> that <laughs> suffered and continue to suffer. So if you look at the Kenyan constitution, it recognizes the suffering of the past. It also recognizes the legacy. And then the Kenyan constitution also has Provisions that don't say may when it comes to restitutive action or restitution. The Kenyan constitution says you must Uh restitute. Uh, When it talks about advancing human rights, it says you must. But here's the deal in South Africa, there's lots of court jurisprudence that has been closed. Yes. here again is one of those cases, Uh Um, and I could mention a whole lot. So even without changing the constitution, we are exactly at the same position as the Indian constitution, as the Kenyan constitution. But what looks like May, read holistically, is Ma.